0: Let me tell you something. I know that I said this last week and I don't want to sound like a broken record and I promise you after this week, I will not make this point. However, deciding to do the spinoff was one of the best content decisions I think we've ever made. I am, I could not agree more. It is bringing a completely different energy and the Miami, this era of Chloe and Courtney, it is so specific and so nostalgic and truly I was watching this and I felt like such a loser because I was just smiling the entire time. I was genuinely having fun. Like, also, what do we have fun doing these days? Nothing. <laughs> it's so
1: classic that you and I would only have fun by virtually living Miami and not actually going there.
0: <laughs> I know, like everyone else is going, and we're like, that's our worst nightmare. <laughs> that's so funny. It was just a great episode, and I want to say I recognize that there's two different types of people that listen to this. Some people are watching along with us, and other people aren't. So, if you're one of those people, it is not watching, I promise you, we're going to give you that same experience. But if you are watching, you get what we mean. There's just something about it that is bringing back all the feels. I can't believe I just used that term, but it's a really applicable one. I can't believe you did either, but you're right. It hits differently. So we're going to be doing episodes two and three here because episode two, it was an incredible one to watch. However, to recap it scene by scene, I think would be really boring. There's not that much of like analysis points, but it was definitely entertaining. So I highly recommend it. And then we'll do a full scene by scene recap of episode three, but episode two, first off, I just want to read the title and the description because I have to wonder who wrote this. Okay. The title is sex drugs and consequences. And the description is Chloe's job on her radio show is threatened. Courtney is befriended by a lesbian.
1: I think that is genuinely one of the funnier descriptions
0: of an episode I've ever heard. Who do you think wrote that and decided like, you know what, that's it. Let's put that into production.
1: I don't know. It's so early 2000s though. It is
0: the most early 2000s TV description I've ever heard. I know. So basically there's two kind of plots to this. And the Courtney plot of this episode is she's still getting over her breakup from Scott and she takes up this art class and in the art class she meets this woman, Jackie, who she likes you know jackie's beautiful they strike up good conversation i end up going to lunches also just as a side note which i think most people probably know jackie is marisol and orange is the new black so she's been in other things of course but i think that is probably her most well-known role would you say
1: yeah definitely definitely orange is the new black and she's also really well known for this one episode
0: yeah no totally So basically, kind of what's happening here is her and Courtney get friendly, they get kind of close. So while they're at lunch, Jackie's kind of asking her, you know, have you ever had an experience with a girl? And Courtney's saying, you know, not really, just a little bit in college. So later on, Jackie takes Courtney and Chloe out to a lesbian bar. And this woman comes up to Jackie wanting to buy her a drink. And Courtney kind of covers for her and she's like, no, she's actually with me. And the girl's like, okay, well then prove it and her and Courtney kissed just a peck nothing nothing other than that. And you see them the entire night they're kind of flirty they're a little bit touchy but that's pretty much where it ends that night.
1: Although what was interesting about that kiss and that night was that Courtney stepped in to say like no she's with me but like Jackie didn't ask her to or want her to like as they were leaving the club Jackie was like oh my god I'm so mad at you like that girl was so my type.
0: Yeah, exactly. That it was it was kind of um I don't want to say off-brand for Courtney, and I don't mean – I'm not talking about like the girl element of it, but I'm saying the way that I would have anticipated Courtney to handle that would have just been to not really say anything. She just seems to me to be less like – I don't want to use the word confrontational, but less confrontational if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, definitely. She – it was like a little bit of a jealousy thing almost. Like she – I don't even know what happened. Like she didn't want Jackie to go away, but she was also kind of testing the waters a little, but Jackie didn't ask her to. Like It was definitely the beginning of realizing that like there was a little something there.
0: Yeah, I think also, you know, the thing with Courtney is that she was really lacking that romantic attention since she wasn't no longer with Scott and she hadn't even looked at another guy the way that Chloe was kind of explaining it. So I think there's something that's just kind of human instinct when you know that somebody has their attention on you, like you don't want anyone to take that right yes yeah so then the next later a few nights later they go out again and this is the night where Jackie and Courtney really start making out and you see Chloe's there they're kind of witnessing it which I guess Courtney according to what she said she had had some experiences with women but not not recently at all like she's 30 now and she hadn't since she was in college I think right but it was
1: definitely a thing enough in college that when courtney's at lunch with jackie and she's like no not really just like in college and then when she goes to tell chloe about it chloe's like oh courtney made out with girls in college all the time like it was a thing that chloe knew about
0: yeah completely anyway long story short when they go to our class the next day courtney feels really uncomfortable she kind of sits on the other side of the room and she feels like she's not ready for anything she felt like she was leading jackie on and you see she kind of has that conversation telling her But something that I thought was interesting was in 2018, Jackie did this interview with People TV, and the host asked her about that kiss and that night, and she said she, quote, doesn't have time to keep up with the family these days, but has nothing but love for her old friend. Quote, I love Courtney. When we worked together, she was a sweetheart, and she continues to be a sweetheart. We just haven't reconnected, which I thought was interesting. And also, um, in 2016, she did another interview with After Ellen, and she was talking about her sexuality, and she said, quote, I like the person, whether it's a woman, we don't like to be labeled. I'm in a relationship with a man right now, but I've liked women in the past. So I guess we don't want to be labeled. We don't really talk about it, but the actions speak louder than words. Am I right? So you're seeing it, you're living it because she's currently married to a man. So I thought that was just like an interesting clarification about her sexuality.
1: Yeah, very much. I loved this episode.
0: I loved it for so many reasons, but also we hadn't seen Courtney be romantic with anyone other than Scott, really.
1: Right. And it was fun to watch Courtney be a little bit more carefree than we're used to her seeing.
0: Absolutely. You know, we're going to talk about this a lot more in the next episode because it focuses so much on Kim and how she's a lot less carefree than the rest of them. But there is something about Courtney where it doesn't feel like she's uptight necessarily. It just feels like she really has her comforts and she doesn't like to go outside of that. So the fact that she was even willing to like be romantic with anyone, I was like, Am I allowed to watch Courtney make out with somebody that's not Scott? This feels so weird. I feel like it's like seeing your parents or something, you know?
1: Even, like, thinking about now when she was dating Eunice, like, it you never really saw them super PDA. Like, it was just a couple of paparazzi pictures or pictures that you saw them in the background of. Like, this was probably the most we've seen of her with somebody other than Scott.
0: Can I say something honestly? Yes. Even though I do think that her and Eunice were a really hot couple, I still felt weird about like that Calvin Klein picture where, you know, she's on top of him and they look so hot, obviously, right? And they're so into each other and it was like great, a great piece of content. I still don't like it. Like I still feel, even I felt that way about Scott and Sophia and I really, really liked them together. I Obviously they're a beautiful couple. Like it has nothing to do with that. It's just, I always would prefer seeing them together and I would almost rather sacrifice seeing either of them romantic with someone else.
1: I think the thing with us is that you go through different phases where you kind of accept like, okay, they're broken up. Like they were broken up for a very long time before we started really fantasizing about them getting back together. Even you who's always been team, Scott and Courtney, there was definitely a period of time where you had moved on at least a little bit from that idea. But I think they're in such an amazing place now that this conversation just always comes
0: back to that, no matter what. Completely. No, absolutely. And also, you can't help but wonder when you're watching this episode, like, what is he doing? Because you see, and we see this more in the next episode, which we'll get into in a second, you see, like, they really haven't spoken and she is very tempted to kind of call him. So you can't help but wonder what's going on with him at this time. Right, exactly. Exactly because i'm wondering like okay well courtney's here making out with a girl is scott doing the same thing probably right right the second thought of this episode was really so stupid to be honest but they were kind of talking about like the drug scene and the party scene in miami and chloe was talking a lot about coke and there was a vial of coke that was found in one of the uh, dressing rooms of dash and chloe kind of just puts it in her bag And later on, she takes it to the radio station when she has her show with Terrence, and she pulls it out, and they're talking about it kind of jokingly. And Michael Yo, the producer, comes in, and he's like, Chloe, what the fuck are you doing? You can't bring this illegal substance into the studio and then especially talk about it on air. And she ends up having to take a drug test, and she was definitely kind of penalized for it. But it was so stupid because it goes against any sort of common sense. Like, it's one thing to maybe have a vial of Coke in your bag. It's another thing to literally announce that to the world, you know?
1: Yeah, it was... It was one of those plot lines that was definitely the dumber of the two plot lines on the episode. Although I will say, talking about the drug culture in Miami and examining that aspect of Miami and the norms of cocaine down there is a really interesting conversation. Right, but they didn't do it in that way. They, they, they could have made it so much more interesting than they did. Right. No, just for like you and I, I think it's an interesting thing to examine. The way it was presented in the show wasn't like that. But I was thinking about it the entire time because there is that beginning scene where she's talking about it on Chloe After Dark. And it was the one point in the episode where it was kind of the, the better conversation about it. And they're just saying how like every time they go out, somebody's either asking Chloe if she has cocaine, if she wants to do cocaine. And Chloe's like, and when I say no, they look at me like I'm an alien. Like it's the most foreign concept in the
0: world to them that I'm going to say no to a hard drug. The thing about this is, and I want to respond to that point in a second, but I just want to say this before I forget it. The other thing about this was that, like, I know a lot of it was kind of amplified for purposes of entertainment. However, I genuinely think that's something that Chloe would have done. Like, I genuinely think she would have, and it could have honestly been real that she would have brought that and she would have been so kind of carefree about it because you see, she had that tendency to not really, like, fully be able to conceptualize. I don't want to say the consequences of her actions because that makes it sound a lot worse, but almost like the intensity of some of these things that are maybe considered just like not kosher.
1: I think that what Chloe has is this aspect of her personality where she assumes everyone gets it. So she thinks that when she's joking or she thinks she's doing something, everyone will just understand that it's a joke or everyone will understand that it's not something she would ever do and she's pulling it out for the purposes of entertainment. And this is just one of those cases where she got it so wrong.
0: Yeah, completely, completely. But you're right, that part where she was talking about that. Also, just as a side note, like, I don't really know what their experiences with drugs were. The only time I really hear them talk about it is when Kim talks about the multiple times she's done ecstasy and obviously the sex tape, the getting married. But, like, I almost feel, and maybe I'm wrong and I could totally be forgetting, but I almost feel like in recent seasons, they wouldn't even bring up Coke. They wouldn't even bring up the idea that they were out at a place where it was being offered. I, I feel like that, that and maybe that's just because now they're parents and stuff, but I feel like they've distanced themselves so much from even being in that, like, quote, scene.
1: So I think it's two things. One, I think drugs were never a huge part of the conversation of the show. It's not like a glaring gap in the show that they don't talk about it anymore. But I think, A, their parents, they're older, they're really not in that scene anymore. And uh, I think the bigger of the two is that it calls attention to Scott if they were to be talking about it.
0: And also, honestly, the third is that They're just so much more famous now. It's like Khloe Kardashian doing coke in 2008 is a completely different world than Khloe Kardashian doing coke in 2021.
1: Also, let's call it like it is. Yes, the drug culture in Miami is very specific to Miami, but they were no secret to that culture being from LA. It's not like it didn't exist there. It 100,000% did and does.
0: Well, it's so funny you say that because I was thinking that point, and I was also going to say, I wonder if being in Miami, they felt like it was more okay to kind of bring it up because they could almost disassociate it from like what they would experience in their daily lives, almost almost like a vacation. Right. Yeah, it's so true. Okay, moving on to episode three. This is the one that we're really going to delve into. So this one is really focused on two things. One, Kim coming to Miami and how that whole thing goes down. And then secondly, Chloe really, really urging Courtney to get more into the dating scene. And you kind of see how this plays out. This to me is like prime Miami episode. Prime, yes. So Kim came to Miami because she had this big photo shoot. And you see that they're all kind of hanging out. They're having, I guess, a pre hang hangout at their apartment. And they're all really collectively trying to get Kim to drink. So Jonathan's there. Simon's there. Some of their older friends are there. And you see Kim, She is just not having it. She's not one for champagne. And she just kind of has no interest in like partying in the way that they do, I feel.
1: None at all. It's, and we've always known that about Kim. It's just not her thing.
0: So that happens. And then simultaneously, Scott Store, choose a music producer, comes in with his crew. And they're basically saying that, you know, with the exception of Jackie, Courtney hasn't dated at all. And that didn't work out. So they really want her to kind of explore more. So there's this guy, Adam, that comes in with Scott. And they're kind of telling him, like, you know, talk to Courtney, talk to Courtney. So they're sitting together on these chairs. And it's so funny because, like, Simon and Kim are sitting off to the side and they're almost analyzing Courtney's body language. And it's, you see her legs are crossed, her arms are crossed. She just kind of wants nothing to do with it. And you can just tell she's really not even not ready. It's almost like she's disgusted as to even the idea of it.
1: Yeah, she is physically uncomfortable, like being put in that position. But also, they're cracking up because, in the most Courtney way possible, This guy is talking to her and every single thing that he says, Courtney just gives her typical yeah response to. She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they cannot stop laughing at how Courtney can't say anything other
0: than yeah. Right, which is why, like – I know this is not an accurate representation. Clearly, this is some random guy in Miami that she's known for a total of an hour. But when you see something like this, and Courtney even a little bit later on is talking about how much she hates dating, like hates the idea of a first date. It does make you want even more, specifically at the time, like if you take yourself back to 2009, her and Scott together, because this is painful for her. Like it's not fun to watch. She's straight up just miserable. Yeah, not fun at all. And Chloe's kind of saying in her confessional that, you know, her theory is that Courtney's still not over Scott, but that if she doesn't date anyone else, she's never going to get over him, which I don't think that her logic was that aligned because I think it was still too soon, but fine. What do you think?
1: Um, I think it's very typical logic, but not – it's the logic that everyone thinks where they're like, oh, I have to help my friend or my sister get over her breakup. I'm going to introduce her to somebody else. Everyone, like, operates with that kind of assumption. In reality, it never works out that way. Yeah, or most of the time I would say
0: it doesn't. Right. So next scene, Courtney and Chloe are laying out. They're kind of hungover and Kim comes down and she's kind of like, listen, you know that I, Kim is my ultimate favorite 100%. But she was kind of being annoying because it's like, okay, we get it. You didn't drink. You're not hungover. No need to, like, make them feel like shit for the fact that they're not going to the gym even though they had planned to. Yeah, Kim was not my person in this moment. It's like just such a such a profound vibe killer. Yeah, also like don't rub it in that you feel fine. Yeah, she's like, I am fresh as a daisy. I'm going to work out at the gym. It's like, okay, okay, we get it. By the way, even if I wasn't
1: hungover and I was like on vacation and somebody did that, I would still be annoyed. <laughs> I
0: know, well, her, her whole thing was like, it was their plan that they were going to go together. She wasn't like gym shaming. She was basically saying like, you're bailing on this plan that we had. Right. And they're kind of coming back at her like, you know, you're so boring. Dah, 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 dah. And Kim goes back to the room and she calls Chris and she's basically like, am I boring? And Chris is like, no, not at all. You just have kind of a different philosophy of how you want to live life. She's like, you're just not the life of the party. And Kim's like, okay, well, saying you're not the life of the party is basically the same thing as saying that you're boring. And they have this kind of funny conversation, but I don't think that's a fair point. I think that you can not be the life of the party and also not be boring.
1: Yeah. In Kim's case, in terms of going out, she was a little bit boring. In Kim's regular personality, specifically at this time, I'm not even talking about now, her regular personality isn't boring. She's not a boring person to be around. But when they go out, she specifically was the more boring one.
0: Well, something that I think is like specifically interesting when it comes to Kim is that specifically at this time in 2009, in every other aspect of the family, she was the, quote, life of the party, meaning like she was the center of attention. She was the reason that they were that famous. She was the most famous. So I think for her, not being the life of the party means that like you're not the one that's getting the most attention kind of. And I think that she had a hard time coming to terms with that, if that makes sense. Not in a self-obsessed way, just in kind of like that was her reality.
1: I think also when you are the Kim of the family in the sense like you're the one hustling and working hard, like you don't have the opportunity to also be the one that is the crazy one. Like Courtney and Chloe were allowed to do that and were in a position where they could do that because they were the whole success of the family wasn't riding on their backs. They were riding on the coattails of Kim and therefore they were, you know, privy to do what they wanted in that sense within reason. Of course, it's not like they were going out every single night and like making fools of themselves and embarrassing the whole family, but if they got a little drunk at a club and embarrassed themselves a little, it wasn't the worst thing in the entire world where I think in Kim's position, she would have felt the weight of that a lot more.
0: Yes, exactly, completely. Also, by the way, that's just, it really also just comes down to a personality difference. You know what I mean?
1: Also, Kim had wild days. Like I think we're at this point looking at a very different Kim than the Kim from pre-Kardashians. Like When you're somebody who has gotten married in Vegas spoken about you know doing ecstasy a couple of times made a sex tape like once you move past that kind of phase in your life the way kim did i think that there was probably a lot of embarrassment that came with that and then moving on to like a more responsible phase she was like okay i'm leaving that in the past and that probably meant leaving the drinking leaving the partying being a little wild and leaving that all behind and kind of forgetting about it
0: yeah no totally so next scene they're doing chloe after dark and courtney's on the show that day And so she comes in and Chloe's like, is there anything that's off limits? Anything that I can't ask you? And Courtney's like, no, I'll answer anything. And Terrence says, and by the way, if you're just hearing this, it may sound like a little bit intrusive, but when you're watching it, this was the entire theme of the show. Like it was Chloe after dark. It was all about sex and just kind of promiscuous stuff. So it didn't at all feel off brand. So Terrence asks, so if I ask you, if you like sex toys, you'll answer. And Chloe's like, I've opened a drawer in her room. She definitely likes sex toys. She has a sex trunk. And Chloe then tells Courtney to tell Terrence her theory on men. And Courtney says, you know, I don't have theories. It's just that I hate going on dates and I think that they're a terrible invention and that no one should go on dates. I almost just snapped like we were like at sorority chapter. I was gonna say, are you I literally was about to ask you, are you nodding profusely? Yeah. But Julie Well, you- actually no. Well can I say what I can I say my Yeah, well, you could say well, <laughs> well, let me ask you if this is what you let me ask you if what I'm about to say is accurate, okay? What I was going to say, my interpretation of you is that in theory, you hate the idea of it just because like it's it's not really necessarily on brand with your personality, that entire like quote, small talk vibe and like getting dressed up. However, you thrive because you're so great at talking to people. And once you're there, you, you're you glad that you did it, but it's not something that you like crave doing.
1: Like, yes and no. Like your your assessment is on. I was going to say I hate the process of a date in the sense of like, the whole before like once I have a date fine like I'm happy to go I have no issue the before a date where it's like
0: the apps the introduce like that shit I hate right the small talk pre even getting there right so back to the episode Chloe is on air basically saying you know what we're holding auditions at dash for anybody that wants to take Courtney on a date and you watch Courtney's mood immediately change she's really annoyed she feels like it's kind of very intrusive that is doing that without her permission. And she storms out of the studio. And I think this was real. Yeah, I think so too. It's so something that Chloe would have done and that Courtney would have just not been even remotely down for. Oh, a thousand percent. Yes. So next scene, they're at Dash. They do decide to do it. Courtney, I guess, is down for it. And they get there and there's a line of men outside waiting to meet Courtney. So she's like, you know what? The damage is done. I'm already going to do it. There's no way I'm going on a date. And Courtney and Chloe are sitting at a table in the store. Chloe is interviewing them one by one as they come in, asking very, very, like, super personal questions. One of the sales girls, Carrie from Dash, is going out and, like, getting the men that she thinks Courtney would like one by one. And this was the least realistic yet. I could have watched this footage for hours straight.
1: I could have watched them ask that one guy who when they were like, do you like foreplay? And he was like, no, not at all. Like, I could have watched them ask him a million more questions.
0: Yeah. I always wonder what these guys thought watching back this episode.
1: Embarrassment. I have to assume.
0: Also, the 2009 fashion was really something I got to tell you.
1: It's so unfortunate, Em. I can't – I keep doing that actually very recently where I keep looking back at phases of fashion like even up until like 3 years ago where I'm like this is so unfortunate that we wore this.
0: I know, but do you think that we're going to say that in 5 years from
1: now? Probably. Okay. Like I again, I, we we were just talking about this I think in a couple of episodes ago where like I can't imagine right now like wearing a pair of skinny jeans.
0: It's so crazy, right? I wouldn't put them on my body now. I was wondering like do you think that you're going to feel the same way you do about those Zara boots in a few years? I don't. I think those are trendy. I don't know.
1: It's, it's really hard to say. But also the other thing with fashion is that every single thing comes back. And that's what my mom always said to me because she would keep all of her stuff from college. And she was like, you're going to want to wear it one day. And now all of that stuff that she kept is kind of coming back in. Oh,
0: my God. Specifically those little shoulder bags. Do you know how many people got rid of their little either nylon Prada or whatever those little shoulder bags were, even just regular nylon? And now they're scouring like secondhand stores trying to find one of the vintage ones of them? Right.
1: That was a 2000s fashion that I never thought would come back. And it is back in such a big way. It really is interesting. Like, if you have good stuff that you care about, like, don't throw it out because it
0: will come back. Oh my God. I, I live by that religiously. I keep so much of that stuff. Yeah. Anyway, so next scene, they're all at dinner. It's Jonathan, Simon, et cetera. Kim's photo shoot is the next day. I feel like we forgot that Kim was here, but she's been here. She just was a little bit sporadic, her appearances in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> And Courtney in her confessional is basically saying that the reason that Kim doesn't drink is because she hates the taste of alcohol, but she'll drink what tastes good. And she's saying that because Kim is drinking this white wine and she's like, oh, this tastes like apple juice. And Courtney is straight up flabbergasted. Like there is just no other word to describe the way that Courtney is reacting to this. She stops the table. She's like, I'm sorry. Is nobody else freaking out about the fact that Kim is drinking? That's like when you drink. I was, that was what I was about to ask you. Is that what people feel like when they're at dinner with me?
1: Um, I don't know about people, quote unquote, because I'm rarely at dinner with you and people, but me and Isabel do often feel that way. But then again, I don't really drink either.
0: Yeah, it's not really our thing.
1: No, not at all. I have more recently, like I, I like drinking, having a drink at dinner, but I don't like, I definitely don't like drinking in any excess amount. I like a hard seltzer though. Yeah, you do, which is surprising. But I, I mean, I, you do really love one.
0: Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to t h e o u a i. dot and enter promo code Celebs for fifteen percent off any product. That's t h e o u a i. dot com promo code Celebs. Anyway, so they're all kind of in shock that Kim is drinking and. Chloe's a little bit concerned because Kim's now ordering other drinks and she orders like, quote, a fancy drink, whatever that means, whether it's a Cosmo. And Chloe's kind of like, this is not gonna end well because she's mixing different types of alcohol. She's gonna get sick. I just see it coming. So they get to the club. Kim is still drinking. You can tell she really had that thing on her back of the fact that like she feels like she's boring and wants to remove herself from that identity. So she's trying to go the other direction. And in her confessional, Courtney's like, I don't think Chloe and I knew what we were getting ourselves into with Kim. This is not the good side of Kim that we know and love. It was a disaster waiting to happen, watching her drink all of those different things.
1: all Everything was
0: sugary too. She was fucked up. Yeah. And she's blackout, she's falling. This was, in my opinion, totally real. And they are taking her back to the hotel. They're like, have her in the car. And they get back, she's throwing up. And this was just... I really don't think we've ever seen Kim like this.
1: No, and I don't think we ever have since then.
0: No, I think this experience scarred her.
1: I would imagine. And I think a lot of people have similar experiences that scar them
0: like that. I'm sure if you are listening to this, you can think back to that time when you got so fucked up on a certain type of alcohol and now even just the thought of it is so repulsive to you. Any type of vodka for me, honestly. It's too reminiscent of college. I can't, I
1: cannot smell vodka. I can drink other alcohols. I cannot like smell vodka. I can't like,
0: ugh. Also the fact that, you know, she has her magazine cover shoot the next day, which that is to me, the drinking isn't what's so off-brand. What's the most off-brand thing for me about Kim is that she was doing it the night before a photo shoot. Yeah, it was very off-brand. I would have expected her to be in bed by eight o'clock with like a face mask, an eye mask, a lip mask and using like a microcurrent wand on her face.
1: Right. That would have been normal too, though. Like, I wouldn't, I don't think anybody would have batted an eye or been like, oh, you're so boring. Like, she had a
0: photo shoot the next day. Oh, totally. So the next morning, they wake him up and she is out of it. She's still in her clothes from the night before. She has that moment where she's like, I am never drinking again. And you just see, this is not a good situation. what's funny is, I feel like there's so many times when somebody says, like, I'm never drinking again. It's like, narrator, they drank the next night. In her case, that was really not it. She really was serious. Like, there was a while where she was not touching alcohol.
1: Yeah, especially because it wasn't like she was a big drinker and then had this one night and she was like, I'm never drinking again. It was like, she never drank. She did
0: it, hated it, and was like, okay, actually never again. So the next scene, Corny is with her friend Eric in her room. For anybody that was watching this and was curious, his name is Eric Monsky, and he actually worked as a producer on the show at the time, other shows as well. But Chloe comes in with the papers from her interviewing process, and she's like, I want you to go out with Roberto, who, if you were watching, he was really hot, he was Cuban, he had like this very sexy accent, and I mean, beautiful body, he was just like a hot, like there's no other way to describe this guy than he's just kind of like universally hot, I would say. Yes, definitely. And Courtney's like, you know what, I'm just gonna go on the stage to kind of shut Chloe up. So she calls Roberto, Chloe calls, And she says, I want you to go on a date tonight with Courtney, eight o'clock at the W, are you in? And he's in. And I'm just like, okay, let's see how this is going to go. Because I forgot.
1: Yeah, I forgot about this too. I remember Kim getting drunk in the episode. I remember that plot line. I didn't remember this plot line.
0: Next scene, Kim is at her shoot. And Chris is calling to ask how it's going. And Kim is just so hungover. You can see she's miserable and she's not having it. So we go from that. And then it pans to Courtney getting ready for her date. And Chloe's like, listen, if you're gonna do this, you have to have a good attitude, which I feel like is such a constant trend, not with going on dates, but I feel like we could like we could use those same words and carry it across multiple episodes of Courtney not being down for something and Chloe being like, if you're gonna do it, just put a smile on your face. Yeah, you're so right. So Courtney goes on this date, and it is just painfully awkward. They one, listen, I actually want to say. If you watch this, you saw how he kept making eye contact with the cameras. Like, you have to give this guy credit or really any guy credit. Can you imagine how uncomfortable that was? Like, they have three seasons under their belt of a reality show so far. They kind of understand the orientation around cameras. Like, for your average person, it's very unsettling. Very. I wasn't even really thinking about that, but you're so right. Well, you saw how we kept looking at the lens, right? Right. Yeah.
1: Now Now that I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking about it. In the moment I was watching it, I was, like, just focused on how uncomfortable
0: it was. But watching it, he's probably feeling like he got a bad editor, like he seems so awkward. Where I don't think he's always an awkward guy. I just think that like you I I try to not remember this when I'm watching it because it takes away from it. But if you actually think about it for a second, like there's at least six people around them at all times.
1: Yeah. I they do a good job of making you forget that, which I think any well done reality show does. Like you really don't ever think about how many people are filming them or where they are or or like the logistics of the situation. But you're right. And that date was one of those ones where you kind of have to think about it.
0: And Courtney's kind of asking him about his past relationship and they end up starting to get into a conversation kind of about their exes. And, you know, Courtney ends the date. It goes fine. I mean, it was painfully awkward. but It wasn't like terrible. It wasn't like anything bad happened. And when she gets back, Chloe's like shocked that she's there so early. And Courtney's basically saying like, what did she think I was going to do sleep with him? There was no chemistry there. I was happy at home. And Courtney kind of says to Chloe, you know, this date really made me realize I miss Scott and I think I want to reach out to him. And Chloe's feeling like this date kind of backfired on her because it brought to the surface, the feelings about Scott that maybe she was suppressing. And when Courtney tells Chloe that they kind of were talking about their exes, Chloe like freaks out And I was waiting to bring this up to you because I actually wanted to get your opinion on this. And I'm also curious what you guys listening think. I know that, like, the number one cardinal rule of dating is don't bring up your ex on the first date or, like, don't ask about theirs. And I guess I could understand that on a first date. I can understand how it could come across as a little bit like interrogation like. However, I don't think that I really subscribe to that because I feel like it's such important knowledge to have. And as long as you're not doing it in a way when you're like, Dragging on talking about your ex. I actually think that there's a lot of information that can be derived from that kind of conversation.
1: I think that it's less about asking the other person and more about avoiding bringing up your own ex or giving off the vibe that you're not over it or comparing relationships. Like, I just think for a first date, it's a conversation that doesn't necessarily need to come up. I think as dates go on, it's an important conversation to have because it's very telling. But a first date, I don't think it needs to be brought up
0: at all. I see. I agree in theory. Like as you're talking, I'm like, I agree. But then I think back to some of my first dates and we've had really great conversations about like what's gone wrong. I guess it's so circumstantial. I think it's really, really situational. You can't, it's hard to make a blanket statement, honestly.
1: Yeah. It's also, there's a difference between a first date where like it's a lot of small talk and just getting to know each other versus a first date where like, you're really comfortable,
0: the conversation is
1: going really well, and then you end up like delving into
0: that. I feel like when I was going through that phase a few years ago, and I was going on so many dates, that I would come back and you're like, how was it? And I would just like list out to you the, their entire life story.
1: Yeah, you, because that's so you. That's- you would never go somewhere and not get someone's life story. That's the most classic thing I forgot about
0: those days. That was a fun time. Was it? It was for me. I think it was for me. I think I was a, like kind of, Uh, making up for some heartbreak, but I think I'm glad that I did it. I'm glad you did it too. I wonder if anybody listening feels that way too. Like if you had a phase where you were just constantly dating and you look back and you're like, wow, I can't believe that I actually was down to go on like three to four dates a week. Because right now that is, I mean, aside from Corona, obviously that is literally my worst nightmare. Same. Welcome to Nada Yada Island. This season on Nada Yada Island. When we were new, they spoiled me. They even gave me a phone. But then, it's like I didn't exist. Don't take Yada Yada from your wireless carrier. Now with Metro, get that new customer feeling again and again. Introducing Metro Flex. Free 5G phones when you join. Same deals as new customers when you stay. Only at Metro by T-Mobile. Just bring your number and ID and sign up for an eligible plan. After 12 months, trade in and get our best deals on select devices. Anyway, um, Chloe's kind of wrestling the phone out of Courtney's hand. I think eventually we'll see in the next episode that she does decide to call Scott, but the episode ends with dinner at prime One Twelve, and it's all of them, Jonathan and Simon and Kim makes a toast with water and her hot pink nails, basically saying that she's thankful for everyone taking care of her. And she's thankful the night is over. And they're all saying, you know, we'll never peer pressure you again. And in her confessional, Chloe says, I just have to learn to accept people the way they are. Kim's not the life of the party and that's fine. She sucks at it, actually. I could be the life of the party. Courtney, I'm learning she fell in love. She's falling out of it and she's doing it on her own time. And I need to let her come out of her relationship slowly and soon. Narrator, she was not falling out of it. No. Like, she was so fucking in it. Yeah, very
1: much so. Chloe just wouldn't let her live, you know? Chloe – it's funny. Like I wonder if Chloe and Scott talk about how much Chloe disliked him in the beginning.
0: And how much she – was so persistent that Courtney just completely move on
1: because honestly if Chloe wasn't as close with Scott as she became I'm not saying that Scott wouldn't still have the same relationship with the family but I do think that it would be a little bit different like I think that a huge reason that Scott is so so close to Liberty Stones considered such an important member of the family even though him and Courtney aren't together is because of the relationship he had with Chloe
0: Oh my God, of course. I mean, it just makes everything so much more easy. Right. Like when you have your own issues that you're dealing with in your relationship, the last thing you need is then your person having issues with the entire rest of your family, specifically the sister that you're the closest to at the time.
1: Yeah, definitely. I'm excited to get to the point in the show where that switches. Like, I'm excited to watch their the relationship between Chloe and Scott kind of switch over to what it is now.
0: I completely agree. Is there anything else from this episode that you want to mention?
1: No, I think that's it. I, I just loved both of these so much. I know. I was obsessed with every second of it.
0: The one thing that I just want to mention in light of Monday's episode was, I'm sure you guys saw, Kim came out, Tracy came out, and that painting really was done by North, which I know we kind of were speculating, us and the rest of the internet on Monday's episode in a kind of a joking way. Julie was definitely more uh, intense on the stance than I, I was because I was like, let's just see, maybe it's possible. But Kim came out swinging. And I just want to say I actually view it as such a compliment. Like imagine the entire internet thinking that that painting was so unbelievably profound that there's no way it could have been done by a 7-year-old. I understand, like not I know this is such a stupid subject. I don't mean to make it deep. I understand how from Kim's perspective it felt like, you know, the internet was coming down on her child's dream and saying that she couldn't do that and I get that, but I think it was more so just like that was a profound piece of artwork which is not typically consistent with someone of that age and it wasn't really explained to the public that she's in a specific class that they're doing that specific piece of art.
1: Yes, it could have been explained better. I don't typically disagree with Kim, but I do think that Kim's reaction to the internet's response was wrong. Like, I think that she could have explained it better off the bat. But what's also so funny now is that, I don't know if you've seen on TikTok, all of these people who are from Calabasas are now showing off their exact same painting that they made in their same art class that North is now in.
0: It's my favorite thing ever. It's like, Kim's not lying. Really, Calabas is our class. And they all, I guess that one painting is what they've been doing for years and for years. Not in like a bad way. I guess there's a reason that they do it to teach them. But yeah, it was so funny. I, I, didn't, I did not expect it to turn into that deep thing because I think it's almost like such a compliment. Like not doubting... I, I get it. Like, I get from her perspective how it comes across like it's doubting her children's ability. But for, from my perspective, I'm like, no, that was just fucking, like, Claude Monet shit. And everybody was a little bit surprised as to the level of, like, detail. The
1: internet's reaction, while I typically don't always agree with it, in this case, I think the internet was, was right in their assumptions from the back
0: yeah you can Just like i can't believe we're even talking about this seriously I, I congratulations north as i said in that episode like we're not northwest so what she can do at seven is different than what we can do and i i i didn't i still i believe that there was faith um but it, it's just it's just a craving I, mean, it's, it's I can't even believe we're having this conversation we have to end it but kim <laughs> kim proved that uh that was the case okay fine I'm <laughs> <going on. laughs> okay well we love you guys so much and We will see you, um, as well, and I will see you on Friday for our Bravo episode. Julie and I will see you on Monday for our regular episode. And anything else you want to mention, Joel? That's it, kid. Okay, we love you guys so, so, so much. Thank you, as always, for everything. Let's talk about baby making for a second because it's really not as simple as it's made out to be, meaning, there's just factually a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant. And kind of, you know, for many of us, we spend our lives trying to prevent unwanted pregnancy. That when you do want to conceive, there's almost a lack of understanding and resources, which is why I want to introduce you to Free to Fertility. Free to Fertility is the only one stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from egg and sperm health to ovulation tracking to conception aid. And basically what Frida is doing is simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. And their products are innovative, easy to use, accessible, from ovulation prediction to at-home insemination kits. They're kind of revolutionizing the Conception Aid game with the at-home insemination kit, which is almost, you can think of it as like a modern, effective solution to the turkey baster. This is baby making simplified. Find Frida Fertility on Amazon, Target, and select CVS near you.